0: Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Hope everybody is doing well. Thanks for tuning back into Mavericks and Misfits. My name is Jeff Lyle. I'm always your host. And uh, man, I'm telling you, I've been trying for I don't know how long just to figure out how do we get some other people on the podcast. There's no shortage of people that would come and do it, but literally scheduling these days is just insane. I don't know if your schedule is like this, but my schedule and pretty much everybody I run with, including my wife, my daughter, my son, our schedules are bananas. They're just straight up nuts. And to try to coordinate stuff as simple as a lunch sometimes is difficult. Um, even between just two people, you add three or four people in there and you're, you know, it may be, you know, like 20, 25 before anybody's having lunch together. But um, when it comes to the podcast, too, the, um, you know, just trying to coordinate. How do we do it? Where do we do it? People are here and there. You got to take your equipment with you and all this stuff. And so, yeah, I know y'all don't care about this stuff, but it's just my way of saying, Hey, I'm glad to do it when I can. And yeah, I would love to be able to figure out the best way to get, um, some guests on here for you guys to hear from somebody else. But for now you are stuck with me again. So live with it. All right. Hope it's actually a blessing to you at Mavericks and Misfits. We're basically just doing what we do in, in such a fashion that we we're just not boxing in God. We're not boxing in who he is. We're not boxing in uh, what he can do. We're not submitting the Lordship of Jesus Christ to any denominational view of him. Uh, we're Bible people, but we're also Holy Spirit people. And um, like lately, the Holy Spirit's just been moving in some incredible ways in my own private life, personal life, um, the church where I serve. And of course, anytime, y'all know this, right? Anytime the Holy Spirit is moving, uh, the enemy is too. And if if you're never fought by the enemy, you may be walking in the same direction as him. And so I, I I'm taking like some solace that in the midst of you know some pretty powerful blessings of God, I'm glad. That the devil's still fighting because that means we're doing something that, you know, threatens his territory. And I hope that's going on with you. If some of you are going through it right now concerning spiritual warfare, the demonic realm coming after you, affliction, whether it's in the mind, the heart, the emotions, the intellect, the body, the spirit, you know, wars against your soul. The psalmist cried out under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my soul, why are you downcast within me? And so it's not like just because you're saved and spirit-filled that you don't battle in the soul sometimes or your emotions or mine. Uh, we're subject to those things. But guys, here's the thing. Like, I don't send myself flowers. So I'm not like feeling sorry for myself. Um, we're supposed to be aware that it's a fight. And I really want to talk to you a little bit about that today. Um, I, I want to I suggest something. I don't think most Christians, most people that call themselves a Christian, I don't think that most of them are ready for the intensity that's coming. And I know I say stuff like that regularly on this podcast. It's because I can't get away from it. Like, I'm around Christians constantly, and not just my local church, but I'm I'm like up at Caneo Ministry Training Center, Dawsonville, North Georgia Revival, fellowshipping with pastors and leaders and, you know, pouring into the lives of some that are younger. And um, like I, I, the, most of the Christians I run with are like great people. But when I listen to what these other pastors are saying, when I see social media and what these these you know people that are Christians are posting, and then I hear the rhetoric and I think about, you know, what's being proclaimed in pulpits and, you know, what these churches are focusing on and the, the so heavily diluted truth of the word of God. And I'm like, um, I don't think we're ready. The amount of murmuring and moaning and groaning and whining and complaining, man, I'm feeling I'm putting on my big boy shoes right now. Um, cause I'm probably gonna have to step on some toes, but, Look, if, if you're whining about anything, now listen, some of you have legitimate problems. I'm not minimizing it. You know, I wasn't exactly a ball of joy when I was going through cancer or when Amy was in a wreck. I'm not talking about stuff like that. I'm not talking about real, actual challenges in life. I'm talking about the whiny stuff. I'm talking about po- politics and people that are entitled and people that always want their rights and people fighting over guns and people that are, you know, throwing pot shots at other Christians and sacrificing spiritual fellowship over political affiliation and, you know, just the nonsense and the culture and people just, you know, whining and complaining, man, it's everywhere. It's like epidemic. I know people are like worried about COVID and monkeypox and all of that, but like the bigger epidemic is murmuring, complaining and whining and self-centeredness. And if, if that, if you're, if you're like in that, if that's like, you know, you, you'd have to do an honest assessment because I don't know who's listening. I don't know what's going on in your life, but do an honest assessment out of yourself. Are you mo- more robust in your confidence towards God? or Are you more robust in your complaining about what's not happening in your life? and you know what other people are doing and people walking around with a victim mentality and people like feeling somebody owes them something nobody owes you anything we owe each other a debt of love according to scripture but nobody owes you anything and why would you wait for somebody to give you something especially if they're carnal and they're not giving you what you feel like you're entitled to why why would you waste your time why don't you go to your father who's the king of the universe, and say, hey, injustice is happening all around me. I need you to take care of me like you said you would. That's that's not whining. The, the psalmist said, pour out your complaint before the Lord. And so and the alternative to whining is fasting and praying. <laughs> that's the alternative to grumbling and complaining. The alternative to grumbling and complaining is praise and prayer. The alternative to whining is fasting and serving. And, you know, get out of yourself and quit, quit making it about you. And some of you I know are probably like, Jeff, what, what are you doing, man? We, we just got started. We're five minutes into this thing and you're, you're challenging us. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling it today. So if you're not in the mood to be challenged, press pause, come back to it a little bit later, but I'm going to go biblical with you. So let's go biblical. Okay. Cause I'm not the first guy to say what things like I just said, and God responds to uh, people um, when you know, we get off centered and we're focused on the me, 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 and I want it now. And how come things aren't going my way? And why is the world so wicked? And you know, all the stuff like this is not new. Generations after generation have lamented the, the wickedness, the injustice, the the lack of love, the violence, the immorality. All Christians are grieved by that. But if you're focusing on that more than you're focusing on the one who stands on top of it all, Then you're out of the will of God. And so how about a little, you know, biblical correction for all of us today? By the way, keep a copy of this and send it to me when you find out like I'm in a season where I've got my eyes off the Lord and maybe I'm being a little wimpy, a little whiny, a little snowflake-ish. Um, I'm I'm happy to be corrected even by my own preaching sometimes. And so one of the reasons I preach hard is because before I ever podcast, preach, teach, whatever. Before I do it to you, before I release it to you, I'm preaching it to me. So I preach hard to me. I'm harder on, you know, my own little inner self than I am anybody else's. And thankfully, because I I just hear the discipline of God being spoken over the church right now. He's like, I'm I'm correcting you because I love you. I'm I'm disciplining you because you're not prepared for what's about to hit the earth. And so I can't leave you soft. I can't leave you self-focused. I can't leave you whining. I can't leave you, you know, the proverbial baby sucking its thumb. I can't leave my bride like that. She's a warrior bride. She's supposed to be rising up in the power of my spirit. She's supposed to be chasing the devil out of their cities She's supposed to be stomping the head of the serpent and crushing the scorpions. Like, literally, that's when we think of a bride, we think of, you know, a perfectly manicured, beautiful, gorgeous woman in a flawless ground whose makeup's been done by a professional. That's what we think of in the American paradigm when we think of the bride. That's not what Jesus thinks of. Yes, she will be robed in white. Yes, she will be without spot or blemish. But all of those are spiritual metaphors, not limited to physical beauty. It's about a spiritual entity, the bride of Jesus Christ. And she's going to rise up and come back with this king who's got blood on his dip blood dipped on his vesture his vesture dipped in blood and a new name written in blood on him and he's coming back to make war with hell so there you go chew on that a little bit so let's go back in a long, long time ago in history jeremiah i'm in jeremiah 12 i'm gonna read you some verses that are pulsing in my spirit right now jeremiah is complaining He is trying to praise God. He had one of the most difficult ministries, maybe the most difficult ministry of any prophet in the Old Testament. He never saw a convert. He suffered persecution. He he preached about destruction. Nobody listened. The destruction came, and then they hated him for having preached it before it came. And nobody ever really repented at his word. And he wanted to quit, and then he told us, I can't quit because it's like fire in my bones. I want to quit on man, but I can't quit on God, therefore I can't quit on man. That's a word for some of you right now. Some of you are so discouraged about people that you're actually thinking about quitting the assignment God gave you when the assignment didn't come with a parenthesis that said, if you want to. A calling is not negotiated. A calling is obeyed. And yeah, God calls people to some difficult work and some of you are called to a difficult work. Jeremiah was, and your calling and my calling are not like Jeremiah's. We may have difficulty. We don't have Jeremiah-level difficulty. So he says this in Jeremiah chapter 12. In verse one, he says, righteous are you, Yahweh, when I complain to you. Yet I would plead my case before you. And then he asks this question to God. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them. They take root. They grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. But you, Yahweh, know me. You see me and test my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in it, the beasts and the birds are swept away because they said he will not see our latter end. Now just pause there for a minute because God's going to answer Jeremiah in the next verse. But Jeremiah 12, 1 through four, this is what Jeremiah is saying. He's saying, God, I am sick of the wickedness around me. I'm sick of the injustice. I'm sick of the fact that the people who don't love and serve you seem to be prospering. They seem to be doing great in life. They seem to be you know, kind of completely oblivious to the fact that they're sinners and they're living out their rebellion in front of you. And Lord, you just seem to bless them. Lord, it seems like you plant them And I'm asking you to pull them out like sheep for the slaughter. You seem to plant them like, you know, beautiful gardens. They're blessed. They're producing fruit. And Lord, they're talking about you all the time. But God, surely, you know, because if I can see it, you can see it. You're near in their mouth, but you're far from their heart. They're not real. They're fake. They're hypocritical, God. And You're not doing anything about it. But Lord, you know me, he says in verse three, you know me, you see me. So test my heart toward you. Jeremiah's bold. He's saying, God, I'm real. By the way, can I just ask you this? Can you say that about yourself? Can you look at God and say, Lord, I'm not perfect, but I'm real. Lord, I'm, I'm not faking it. I'm not trying to be anything other than what you've called me to be. I'm not bowing to the opinions of man. I'm not trying to gain a following. Lord, I'm trying to honor you in my day-to-day, in the grind, in ministry, in life, in my family, wherever you happen to be if you're single, in my morality, and my purity as I wait on my spouse. Lord, I'm real. I'm not perfect. We need to quit saying that. Like, we say that all the time. I'm not perfect. Duh. Like, hang around somebody for 45 seconds, and you're going to realize that person's not perfect, and we all know that, but the, the fact of the matter is, is just because we're not perfect doesn't mean we're fake. Flawed is not fake. Flawed is flawed, and you got to be honest about your flaws, and Jeremiah, he's not covering them up. He's just saying, Lord, hey, I'm, I'm kind of over it. You, you know my heart. And Lord here, I like what he says at the end of verse three. He's like, Lord, I need to tell you what I really want you to do. I need you to pull out all these wicked people who say they know you, but act like they don't. I need you to pull them out and make them like sheep for the slaughter, set them apart for the day of slaughter. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, what a prayer. Nobody, I've never prayed that. Have you prayed that? Hey, Lord, can you kill them all? Because, uh, and by the way, he's not talking about the pagans, he's talking about the covenant people. It would be like me and you just getting so fed up with church and just saying, Lord, I'm sick of all the hypocrites. I'm just telling you, God, if you just just hear me, I think I got something on this, Lord. Just pull them all out and kill them. (laughs) That is what Jeremiah is praying. And I'm thinking, woo! and that's in the Bible, by the way. It's not, I'm not necessarily saying that we ought to pray like that. I'm just saying that, could you imagine your faith being so real, raw, and honest that you could stand before the holy God and say, Lord, I'm not like them, and it would really make me happy today if you just get rid of all the hypocrites. And so Jeremiah is just a lamenting everything that's going on. But God, God lets him whine. God lets him complain. He does the same thing for me. He does the same thing for you. You know, God's not, you're not like the first person that's spoken unbelief or spoken death or spoken frustration or, you know, self-pity or complaint. It does happen, but God doesn't just say it's okay. So look at what he says. Now think about this. Jeremiah is like, woe is me. This is bad. Everybody around me is fake. They're all a bunch of stinking sinners who pretend like they know God, but I know better because I've got a pure heart. And they don't know God. And God, I'm, I'm just wondering why you hadn't killed them all yet. So he's not like in, in this robust place in his faith. And so listen to what God says. God's going to actually answer all of that that Jeremiah poured out. And this is what God says to Jeremiah. He says, if you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you are only so trusting, what will you do in the thicket of jordan now that doesn't probably grab you but i'm hoping it's about to so jeremiah went there he he said god you're righteous i know i'm complaining but i'm actually pleading my case before you and he's saying lord this is what i see i see the wicked and they're prospering the treacherous thrive that's injustice i mean he's saying right there he's like why do the wicked prosper and why do the treacherous thrive you know what he's saying, Lord, that's injustice. Lord, why are these people getting over on people like me? That's injustice. And then he expresses his actual frustration with God. He says, he says to them that, you know, God, you're actually blessing them. He says, you, you planted them. You're the one that stabilized them. They take root and they're producing fruit. He's actually saying, God, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated with you. And then he exposes their hypocrisy. He says, you're near in their mouth. We already talked about that. You're far from their heart. So Jeremiah is like seeing stuff and he's recognizing that these people are not who they should be. And then he has the peace of saying, but God, you know me, you test my heart. And so, you know, after he tells the Lord, why don't you just kill them? Why don't you start killing them instead of protecting them? Why don't you just get rid of them like sheep for the slaughter? Bless me. If you're looking for somebody to bless God, I deserve the blessing. That's kind of what he's saying. And so God just says, oh, Jeremiah, to whom much is given, much is required. I want you to hear that. The person that has the high level discernment to spiritually note what is wrong, the hypocrisy, the injustice, the wickedness in a land. The person who has the ability to say, I know God expects more of his people. Therefore, I'm going to live at a higher level of commitment because Jesus is worthy. That's a person that has a greater discernment than the average person in the body of Christ. But guess what comes with that? A greater accountability. A greater responsibility. A more strict judgment. God deals with those to whom he is imparted wisdom and revelation and discernment. He holds them to a stricter level of accountability. So when Jeremiah pours this out, this is what God says to him. God doesn't say, Jeremiah, son, I, I realize you're hurting. And Jeremiah, you know what? You're right. This is just wrong. I, I come here. Give me, come on, crawl up in my lap. Give me a hug. Give me, you just need me to hold you. You I, just go ahead. Just let the tears flow. Come on, son, get it out. Get it out. I'm going to give you some manna and some wine and we're just, you're going to be all right. No, God doesn't do that at all. Forgive me if that sounds a little, you know, sarcastic, but that I just feel like that's the day we're living in. Like people just are, are like they're pre offended. Like if somebody's about to say something hard to them, they're pre offended. They're like, you're not allowed to say hard things to me. I'm, I don't feel good. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm, I'm sad. I don't like what's happening in my nation. Well, nobody does. Like what separates people that in the church from people in the culture, we all see the jacked up stuff. If you don't, I don't know what nation you're living in. Like it doesn't take a hundred spiritual gifts to point out what's wrong in America like you don't have to vote a certain way to be able to like just look around for an hour and say oh we're in trouble. And and the proper response is not saying god kill them all. Kill the other side of the aisle. Kill those that vote differently than me. Kill those that are culturally and racially different than me. Get them away from me. Lord, you don't have to kill them because we're not allowed to say that. But just get them away. So you segregate yourself whether it's politically culturally, denominationally, racially. And, you know, I'm going to get with people that look like me and act like me and worship like me and think like me and pray like me and believe like me. And, and then we point fingers over the great gulf between us. Now, maybe you don't do that. I don't do that, but I'm just saying like people do that. Christians do that. Churches do that. And so what God says to Jeremiah is like, Hey buddy, uh, I'm not going to send you flowers. I'm not going to pat you on the head. As a matter of fact, I'm going to firmly communicate to you that you need an attitude check. And so he does it, and it's 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 fairly gentle, but it's not unclear. But he says, Jeremiah, 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 if this level of struggle is wearying you, then what are you going to do when it gets notched up a little bit here in a minute? Where do I see that? It's verse five. Jeremiah if you've raced with men on foot, this is a military reference. He's saying the foot soldiers. If you, if you have gotten worn out because your assignment has caused you to, to run and keep up with those that are also running on foot or those that are running against you on foot, those opposite soldiers that are foot soldiers in the op- opposite army. He says, if that's wearied you, if that's worn you out, if that's broken you down, if that's discouraged you, if that's made you want to quit, How are you going to be ready to compete when it's no longer the foot soldiers you're competing with, but it's the horsemen? See, in ancient war, of course, you know, you had a massive advantage if you were on a horse in battle. It was actually fairly rare. I mean, it got to the point where, you know, the massive armies, Persia, and so you got the Assyrians, you got the Babylonians, and of course, the Greeks show up and the Medes and all of that. And then, of course, the Romans, by the time the Romans came. But but the reality is most war was hand to hand and, you know, only the armies that won are the ones that had the horses. And... God's saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, this is kindergarten, son, and you're whining and complaining. This is nothing. Jeremiah, you're getting worn out in the easy season. You're getting worn out when things are actually comparatively easy to what is coming down the road toward my people. How are you going to stand in that day if you're whining in this day? And then he gives another illustration. It's the same thing said a different way. He says, if in a safe land, you are only so trusting, what are you going to do in the thicket of the Jordan? So in other words, when the, in a safe land where there's, you know, no swollen rivers and there's no dangers, the rivers aren't busting out of the banks and there's clear land to work on and you don't have a lot of obstacles. There's not a lot of danger. And Jeremiah is, God's saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah You really actually don't have a lot of obstacles right now. There's some stuff going on, but Jeremiah, this is kind of the safe land. This is the clear season. This is nothing compared to what's coming. What are you going to do when the Jordan River rises and you're stuck in the thicket and you can't get out of it and those waters start consuming you? What are you going to do? You're not ready for what's coming is what God is saying. And I'm going to go ahead and submit to you. I'll just be bold. Most of y'all that are listening aren't ready. Forgive me if that offends you. Some of you are ready. Some of you are not. I would just say probably because most Christians aren't ready. Therefore, I think it's safe to assume most Christians listening to this podcast are not ready. You're not ready. Like we're not suffering for our faith right now. You know we're not. I showed up at church this week and nobody pointed a gun at me. Nobody threatened me with death. Nobody threatened to savage and ravage uh, my wife and my daughter unless I recant Jesus. Nobody chopped off my son's hands and told me if I'm if I'm going to see him not suffer, I better recant Jesus. You know that's happening right now on the same planet to our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. And Americans are over here fighting about gas prices, which I hate the gas prices too. They're fighting about abortion. I hate abortion. That's something worth fighting for, but Christians are fighting over it. And we can't even survive the abortion issue. We can't even survive gas prices and food shortages. We can't, we like, we can't get our stuff together when just, just small, low level issues are happening i'm not calling abortion a low level that's one of my passions in life so maybe that wasn't the best example but what i'm saying is like we feel like that's the top of the the tower when it comes to stuff that the church is facing and god can take his word to jeremiah and jeremiah 12 5 and he can say to me jeff you better guard your heart because you're getting worn out you're getting wearied you're getting upset you're struggling in your relationships with people over stuff that's about a quarter inch deep and literally all hell and tribulation's going to break forth on this planet and most Christians are not ready. I don't know where you are right now. Let me just ask you, maybe God sent today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits in part just to kind of look at you and say, will you please stop complaining? This is nothing. I'm not discompassionate. I've had plenty of suffering in my life. And, you know, most of us don't need a lecture when we're suffering. But sometimes I'm going to tell you when there have been times where I've been like in such a funk over stuff that was hard, but not the end of the world. But I was responding to it as if it's the end of the world. You know, rejection issues, people like when you're a pastor and people leave the church and they talk about you and they do that stuff. Like, back in the day, man, I'd fall apart. Like, I would fight real hard, defend myself, fall apart, and then feel, you know, victimized and stuff for about six months. That was a long time ago. I don't do that anymore. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is just part of being a pastor. Part of y'all being a Christian at college, like, you're afraid to, you know, stand up and be the daughter of God that you actually are because people mock you. Well, make your choice. You know, make your choice. Jesus said, yeah, when you signed up, you identified with me. They mocked me. They'll mock you. Others of you don't like the music at your church or the way your pastors preach. Some of you don't like the, you know, the stuff that your church spends money on. Some of you are upset because your neighbor got a new car and you're driving a clunker. Others of you, you know, are are upset because, you know, I don't know, your kid didn't get an A on his finals before school let out. And I'm thinking to myself, y'all know, like there's going to be an antichrist rising up and he's going to take control of the global markets and people that don't get his mark in their body won't be able to eat. You know, it's coming to a planet near you. You know that like you actually won't be able to buy and sell because you won't take the mark of the beast because you are the saved ones. You're the elect of God. You don't buy into the, the deception and like, that's coming. And then, in the, and, and I know some of you listening think that, you know, we're going to escape the tribulation because we're going to get raptured out of here beforehand. Listen, if you want to go to our YouTube channel, go to the Transforming Truths YouTube channel and just look at the messages. I'm, I'm preaching through the end times right now, not in consecutive order, but I'm giving people understanding. And there's one in there called the timing of the rapture. And, you know, it's pretty clear in scripture that we're going to be here, that Christians are going to be on the planet like getting persecuted and killed during the tribulation. Aren't you glad you tuned in today? That's not real encouraging news, but it's true. Like, and all this stuff's going to happen. And you know, we, we've got people fighting over who, you know, just like raising hell over who's going to be the president of the United States and our our rights better get represented and somebody get better give me my free phone and somebody better let me keep my guns and somebody better, you know, close the border and somebody better, you know, pay for my college debt and, you know, just what? I'm like there's an antichrist about to emerge at some point in the in the future and he's going to make global laws that require people to take his mark and worship him. And if you don't, you're going to be tortured and killed. That is running with the horsemen. You and me right now, we're running with the footmen, and we're getting wearied out. And so what God says to us, let me just wrap up because I'm about out of time. And, and listen, some days on Mavericks and Misfits, I want to encourage you. Sometimes I just want to put like a flame on you and say, you just need to burn on this one a little bit. Some of you tune in because you know I'm going to challenge you, and I hope you'll keep tuning in. But if you don't, I'm just going to keep saying this stuff because some no people aren't saying it. Like the people that are saying this stuff are getting fewer and further in between, and it's actually exacerbating the problem. Because the problem's growing and fewer people are willing to call it out. Like what you say, Jeff, what are you calling out? I'm calling out the wimpy, whiny, snowflaky, me centered. Christianized version of life, the entitlement. You're not entitled to anything. You're not entitled. Listen, you're not entitled to reparations. You're not entitled. You're not kingdom entitled to anything in the constitution kingdom wise. No, you're not. You're not actually supposed to live for your rights. Now, as an American citizen, should we be living by the mandates of the constitution? Yes. But when that is removed, not if, when that is removed, You can't afford to sit down and suck your thumb and feel like somebody has done you wrong and meanwhile, like all hell is coming against us in the body of Christ. And the whole racial thing, man, it's just, I mean, at some point we've just got to get to the place where we quit looking at things through the constant racial historical lens. Yes, the racial history of America is repugnant. Slavery is an abomination, and nobody in America today is a slave. And nobody living in America today has been a slave. And meanwhile, people are taking that identity because of the awful atrocities done to their ancestors. And they're saying, I'm just going to superimpose that over my life right now that way. And this is not all people who stand for racial equality. Listen, I I was part of the one race movement. I believe in racial reconciliation. But do you know when I had to walk away when the message of racial reconciliation and the gospel got lost and got replaced with the message of uh, cultural reparations? That wasn't everybody in that movement, but it was some. And I'm like, man, that is not the gospel. The least gospel thing you can say is I am owed. And then you've got, you know, just go ahead and be an equal opportunity defender. You've got white conservative Americans that think like they, they, they can't, they actually can't be questioned on anything in their history. Like there are white people that literally think there's the the injustice of the past has no ripple effect into the present. And that's just as moronic. But here's the deal. If you're a kingdom person, you're actually above all of that. Because God Almighty lives in you and he doesn't rebirth you into spiritual victimhood. He rebirths every single one of us, no matter our age, whether we're male or female, no matter our race, he rebirths us into a status of an overcomer, a victorious, triumphant Christian. We are are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Therefore, if I'm living the life of a complainer, if I'm living the life of an entitled gimme, 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 gimme. If I'm living that life that I'm owed, then I am antichrist in how I'm living my life. My philosophies are antichrist. And I won't be ready. I won't be ready when all of the the horsemen come. Because if I am running with a footman and I'm worn out, and I'm complaining, and I'm quitting, I'm taking my ball and going home, like, Do we not remember what the Bible said about enduring? Like that's not a small thing at the end of the age. It's one of the primary things. And Jeremiah got challenged by the almighty who said, Jeremiah, you're not enduring in the days of ease. What are you going to do when it gets harder here in a minute? And all I'm doing today is saying the same thing to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the United States of America especially here in the Bible Belt I'm like guys we are so not ready we can't handle inconvenience and yet we presume to be ready for suffering we can't la- we can't handle not getting our you know our rights what what are you going to do when it's not you just don't get your rights you're actually is people are Christians are going to go through this time of tribulation where it's they're not going to be asking for their rights. They're going to be hoping they wake up the next day and don't die. So this is hard stuff, man. But it needs to be said, and I'm not going to promise you that I won't say it again. I don't know what I'm going to do my next podcast on, but I'm telling you today, I'm just feeling the Lord in Jeremiah 12:5 saying, "Oh, if you're worn out now, you're certainly not ready for what's coming down the pipe." And church, we're not, and we need to get ready. My time's gone. Hey, process what I said. Feel free to write me. Jeff at maverickmisfit.com if you've got complaints. I can't get to all the emails. I appreciate it. Listen, I try to, but some of y'all write like some really deep, long theological questions you can't answer in an email. And so if you, if you want me to answer something theological, you may have to wait till I do a podcast on it. So email me and say, hey, Jeff, consider doing an episode on this. That's probably the best way to do it. But I, I can't type out 12, 14, you know long emails every week on theological stuff. So look, I got a lot of content out there. I've probably touched on any theological thing that you can, um, you can come up with. So search the archives of transforming truth, go to, um, transform Truth's YouTube page, um, go to transforming Truth's blog archives. There's archives of blogs going back more than 10, 10 years, I think. And, um, you know, as always, you can keep tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits because I'll throw something out there every single Tuesday. And if nothing else, I, I, like, I'd be willing to make you mad as long as I don't leave you bored. Because if I'm not provoking you to think, if I'm not provoking you to analyze, are you are you literally more anchored in the culture and what's going on in the culture right now than you are in the gospel then I don't have any problems telling you wake up and extract yourself out of the quagmire of the cultural outrage because you're made for something better. Use your words for the glory of Jesus and don't join the boring chorus of whining that is going on in our nation right now. And church, may God purify the church. May the separation of the wheat and the chaff begin now Because if it doesn't start happening individually in our hearts, if we don't start separating what is wheat and what is chaff out of our own hearts, then when the end of the age comes and the fires start to burn, oh man, it'll be real clear who was real and who wasn't. Jeremiah was allowed to give his complaint, but God didn't let him stay there. And God won't let you stay there either. I'm out. We'll talk to you next time. God bless. Have you picked up a copy of Jeff's book, figuring it out as I go? His life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace, and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at JeffLyle.com or wherever else you buy books. You can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com.